the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. You ever made plans and had them go south on you? I'm sure nobody in here has ever had that happen, right? Do you find yourself angry and frustrated? And then, of course, you're reminded of all the things you should have, could have, and would have done. And if you had, your plans would have been better. Let me tell you something. You are in the plan of God. Did you know that? Do you really know that? You see, typically... Our frustration and our anxiety mounts because we don't believe that God has a plan. What's more, we think God's making it up as he goes along. You ever get that feeling? The truth of the matter is that God's not making it up. He literally has a plan and a purpose for you. You are in that plan. And it's gone perfectly. You say, oh, wait a minute, preacher. You know, I just got saved a year ago. I mean, you know, I just said, or I'm, I'm, I haven't walked with the Lord all that long. And, you know, I can't say that, you, that God's plan has gone perfectly in my life. Oh, yeah, it has. What we're going to see today as we talk about the sovereignty of God, the election of God, we're going to see that God has a plan for every man. He not only has a plan, he has a purpose. Did you know you were born to a purpose? We really struggle, particularly, you know, going through the teenage years, coming into young adulthood. We struggle with trying to establish ourselves in some way emotionally, in society, the big plan. You know, I've got to, got to complete school, got to get married, got to have the house, got to have 2.5 kids and, and the dog, or whatever your, your ideal is. And we struggle with those things. Because we look at the people around us and we think those are the standards, right? Those are the images that we have to live to. And if we're behind the curve and, you know, Jack that I graduated in high school, man, he's already got a wife, two kids, and a home. I must be really behind. Where did I miss the bus? My plan isn't working. Well, the truth is that God's plan is working. You see, God's plan is not dependent upon the things of this world God's plan is completely and perfectly conceived, and he has worked in every detail of your life. You see, that plan was formed before you were. 
We know that from Ephesians 2.10. The plan was formed before you were formed. You, as a Christian, are the most settled and secure individual that the world could know because you're in the plan of God. And God is sovereign. Last week we uh, had communion, so we took a little break from Romans, but we're back on track, hopefully. And you'll remember that week before last, we left off of Romans chapter 13. And in these chapters that we're looking at, the next three chapters, Paul is using the nation of Israel to illustrate God's sovereignty and his election. At the same time, through Paul, he is pointing to God's stubborn love for Israel and his faithfulness to do all that he had promised concerning Israel. I brought this up before. God chose a number of ways to reveal himself early on. But one of the foremost ways he chose to reveal himself was through the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was the world's window, as it were, to see the person and character of God. And we see the sovereignty and the election of God in the choosing of Israel, in the election of Israel's patriarchs. And God demonstrates that his plan, and this is what I want you to see, that his plan is in accordance with who he is. It does never deviate from who he is. I'll clear that up a little more. More than that, God doesn't limit the scope of his plans to what man can see or comprehend. And I'm glad for that, aren't you? Because sometimes things don't look so good, do they? And if I'm trying to comprehend the plan of God in them, then I have a very limited view, and I'm saying, God, how could this happen? What are you doing? You see that even in the Old Testament. The prophets of God, who are immersed in the very activity of God, the the Word of God, the miracles of God. At the end of the day, the enemy absolutely swamps them with doubt and fear, and they end up asking, oh, how could I be in this position, God? What are you doing? Why? Look at David over and over again. Vacillation, back and forth, between praise and despair. All he needed to do was look away. And in God's dealings with man, there always has to be a bridge of faith in order for us to embrace the work of God. God always requires faith for us to see him for who he is. So if you're looking at circumstances and you're looking at the things that you can see, are you judging God in accordance to faith? Are you judging your circumstances in accordance to faith? Are you? No, you're not. See, what is the key for me to be able to give thanks in all things? How, what is the key to that? How do you live in that? How, does, how did Paul live that? He's the one that penned it. Well, the only way he could live in it was to recognize that his joy and his purpose was all in God, not in his circumstance. That he lived in the plan of God. That, you know, the Jews, as hard as they tried, the enemy as hard as he tried, as difficult as the Romans might have made it, they never once diverted Paul from God's plan. Paul couldn't even do it. There were several times Paul wanted to go this way, and God said, no, we're not doing that. Paul says, well, I'm going to go. And God just kind of took him and 
did this with him. Moved him right around. Because the bottom line is this. This is not random. We don't live by fate. We live by the sovereignty and the will of God. And for his children, he is gentle and loving and merciful, conducting each step along the way for his purposes. Remember, faith never centers around the details of circumstances. We always want to try to pull faith into what we're experiencing. I have faith to believe that God will heal me. I have faith to believe that God will give me a new job. I have faith to believe that God... And it's always centering, we allow it to center around our need or the circumstances that we're in. But you know God never intended that. Faith is to center around Him. I believe I have the God of healing. I believe I have the God of provision. I believe I have the God of wisdom. I believe that I have a God. This is how big we are to see God. This is the truth of the Christian victorious Christian life, is that we walk in the truth that we have a big God. There is no room for guessing, for fate, none of that. No room. God is big. And you know what? If your God is not that big, you got no God. What you have is human perception of what God ought to be rather than who he is. Okay. It's important for this little Roman church to understand these things. It's important for them to know their God by faith. That they see him as both sovereign and faithful and merciful and just. They have to see God for who he is, but they have to see it by faith. Do you recognize where they're at? They're in the midst of all manner of idolatry. They're in the midst of all manner of perversion, where the standard for life is ultimately wicked. They don't have a Dr. Dobson. They don't have a Billy Graham. What they have is their society around them and the society that God secured them in as Christians and the truth of God within them. So what they have to walk in is what they believe about their God. Not even, not even what they see demonstrated about their God, but what they believe about their God. Do you see the difference? Because if I'm trying to relegate my faith to only what I can see, only what I have experienced, only what I have read, then I have cut God down considerably. These people had to walk in the midst of denial, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of idolatry, in the midst of all these things. They had to be able to stand confident and secure. So Paul says, I want you to know this God you're serving. I want you to see how big he is. And he does this through using the Jewish nation. He uses the Jewish nation as an example of the election and the sovereignty of God. As one commentator put it, God cannot be condemned in his election nor accused in his rejections. He's referring to when we left off in verse 13, for those of you who may have not been here, chapter 9, verse 13, where Paul says, God said quotes God and says, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. The commentator speaking towards this, he says, God cannot be condemned in his selections nor accused in his rejections. 
No lost person deserves any favor. God is obligated to no human. All deserve the worst. God's selection of one is an act of mercy and not of merit. Is God unjust in giving one mercy and another justice? God does not wrong one by showing mercy to another. The lost man cannot accuse God for his being lost, nor condemn God for saving another. God is righteous in meeting out justice to one and mercy or mercy to another. The holiness of God demands justice, while the atonement of Jesus provided mercy. Now let's look at Romans chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. What shall we conclude? Paul speaking. There injustice upon God's part? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion, pity, on whom I will have compassion. Again, Paul is reacting, or anticipates a reaction, to God's choice of Jacob over Esau, as we read in verse 13. And men would accuse God at this point of being unjust or unfair. Now, here's the reality of it. When we judge God, we judge based on human logic and understanding that has its basis solely in what we can see or know through our senses or comprehend with our limited minds. For us to judge God is like having a a blind man is our star witness for the prosecution testifying to what he has seen. The reality is that we have very little comprehension or understanding of how big our God is or his work. We only know what we see and hear, and there is absolutely no faith involved in the judgments of God. Do we judge God? We're pious Christians. You darn right, we do it often. How do we do it? I don't recall accusing God of anything. Lord, why did you allow that? Lord, what's going? Lord, this is the worst situation I, that I've had to walk into. Lord, why in the world are my kids so rebellious? Lord, why is that neighbor constantly irritating me? Lord, why am I in this circumstance? Lord, why? We go to God with all these complaints, and underneath those complaints is a judgment. That God messed up somewhere down the road. That the plan has gone askew. That He can't be sovereign in this situation. It's too messed up. That's a judgment. But He is. He is sovereign. There's no faith in those judgments. And why is that? Because we've based it on what we see and what we hear what we feel, rather than in who God is. You're beginning to see the difference. Rather than who God is. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we observe and see and reckon to be. I'll tell you what it says. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That's the definition of faith. What is not revealed to the senses. Well, you say, 
That takes everything right off the, board, uh, off the charts. I, I, I don't even know where to start believing. We believe in the character and person of Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's what we believe. We believe in the Word of God. That is what we believe. And where circumstances and situations belie what we think the truth should be, we trust in the character and person of God. Listen, this is not just about a little Roman church. This is about you, Christian, out there facing a lie, day in and day out, listening to lies, day in and day out, them defining for you what joy is, what happiness is, what peace is, and you embracing it. Well, that's all I know. No, that's not all you know. That's one thing a Christian can never say. That's all I know. You know Jesus, you know it all. You know Jesus, you know it all. I'm not saying you have an intellectual comprehension of every fact and and situation. What I am saying is that the answer lies within you. And when we walk in the midst of this world that is getting darker and darker and darker, where the corruption of the soul is a constant assault, where the levels of morality and propriety and and truth are continuing to drop, plummet, where the Christian at large has started embracing the world's definitions... Where do we draw the line? Where do we stop and say, Father, I cannot walk in balance with what I believe. When do we say, Father, it is in you and you alone that I trust. You are my balance. You are my truth. You are my line of morality. You are my line of propriety. You are justice. You are mercy. You are peace. You are hope. You are joy. You are truth. You are wisdom. You are all that I need in this life. When do we stand with David and declare the truth? Or do we keep asking God to prove it to us? Well, Father, I'm having a tough time. Can you please prove to me that you're my provision? Father, this, this circumstance has all gone to heck. Can you please prove to me that you're my peace? In other words, could you bring peace to my soul in this situation? Well, we believe who God is. You know what God says in those things? I've given you the Prince of Peace. I've given you the person of mercy. I've given you the, the picture of my grace. What do you call out to me for? Jesus. We are to have faith in who God is. We are to have faith in His character. We choose to believe that God is faithful, just, and merciful. It takes no faith to accuse God. Is there injustice on God's part? And Paul says, certainly not. In other words, what a ridiculous idea that is. Perish the thought by no means. Now in this verse, Paul quotes Exodus thirty-three 19. We'll talk about that again in a minute. But bottom line is what he's saying is God is God. And he is the standard of justice, and he is the standard of mercy. They are defined by him. The only reason we know what the meaning of those words is, because God has revealed the meanings through his character to us. You know, man takes way too much upon himself. He would judge God with with himself as the standard. God has demonstrated the meanings of these words 
And, and we would use those words as a basis of judgment against God. We would judge God's love. We would judge God's faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, mercy, compassion, pity. None of those words originated with man. Do you ever think about that? That the very words we're throwing around did not originate with man. He declares them as fruit of the Spirit. What he is saying to you is, this is my character. This is who I am. You want to know what mercy is? Look to me. You want to know what joy is? Look to me. You want to know what provision is? Look to me. You want to know what protection is? Look to me. I'll define it for you. And I know that I have been, and all of you at one time or another, been in situations where we defined what we needed totally different from the way God defined it. He has met every need in Jesus. Every need. But we're going to talk about Moses and Pharaoh. We're talking about people who lived in the in the outward revelation of God. But you carry within you, if you're a child of God, you carry within you not just a mental, literal definition of these words. You carry within you the person of these words. That's huge. How many times have I asked and heard other people ask, how can I know the peace of God? Do you know Jesus? (laughs) Do you? How can I know the protection of God? Do you know Jesus? You say, oh, well, you're just being overly simplistic. People face some real issues out there. Absolutely. How big is your God? What do you believe Him to be? Do you know that if lightning were to strike you where you are and you were literally incinerated on the spot, you would have absolutely been ushered in and carted along the whole of your life by the merciful, loving, tender hands of God and your exit would be the same. Paul would say to you, I have been imprisoned, I have been beaten, I have been stripped naked, I have been thrown out into the cold waters of the sea, I have been beaten with rods, I have literally been despised and spit upon and cast in stone, I have had all of these happen to me. Let me tell you about how great my God is. Let me tell you how merciful He is. How just He is. Let me tell you about the peace of God. Let me tell you about the joy He has placed in my heart. Let me tell you about the excitement that I have concerning my God and His love for me. I'm headed off. Well, Paul, don't you know what's going to happen to you there? Oh, I know, but that's not the point. But don't you know they're going to imprison I know, but that's not the point. Well, don't you know that they're going to despise and reject your myth? I know, but that's not the point. Don't you see, I'm not going there alone. Don't you see, I'm not going there just because I have a mission to to get something done. I'm going there under the unction of the Spirit of God, literally escorted by Him. I am going to see the revelation of Christ in the midst of persecution. I am going to experience the greatest revelation that man can experience in his lifetime. I'm going to know Jesus in the darkest places. And it's worth it. It's worth it. You see, don't, don't feel sorry for Paul. He would rebuke you. Paul's already shown us that all men are alike under sin. Romans 3.23 says, Since all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and glory which God bestows and receives. He also says that all men deserve God's wrath. 
In Romans 1.18, he says, For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. Now, the verses we just read, verses 14 and 15, are a picture of God's election. And that election is based on what? Who God is. Now, keep that in your mind. Do you know that you can't separate man's free will from God's sovereignty? And if you try to do that, you will judge God and enter into unbelief. See, Paul's not addressing the choice of man in these verses. Paul's pointing to the choice of God. And God's mercy is not the result of man's merit. It's completely undeserved. Romans 5.8 says... But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. Now, what is implied in the definition, or at least the Greek definition of mercy, is to see someone in need and to remove the need. And the picture here is God extending help for those who are suffering under the consequences of sin. But what I want you to understand about mercy is that only God can truly render mercy. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.